Monster. Welcome to the third episode of Beat Your Imposter, the podcast dedicated to defeating your brain at its own game. I'm your host Eden and you can find me on Twitter at Eden Waffles. Sitting next to me in spirit is the ever effervescent Lady Spookaria and you can find her on Twitter at Lady Spookaria. Would you like to say hello lady? Hello everyone. If you missed the last episode I'll give you a quick recap. I went through the categories of achievers as according to Valerie Young and I also talked about the ways to assist your hand when giving your face a big old reality slap. So today we are going to be talking about the imposter cycle, how to understand and tolerate the fear of failure and how to understand and accept the fear of success. The usual disclaimer before we begin, this podcast is not a substitute for professional therapy. It is not here to cure or fix you. The ideas in this podcast are intended to be used as instruments of thought, insight and discussion into the issues of self-esteem, anxiety and our careers. So with that out of the way, let's get into it. Our first topic of this episode is the discussion of the imposter cycle. I will give you a little bit of background on the cycle and then I will go through it (laughs) with you. So the cycle was originally conceptualized back in 1978 on the first official paper on the imposter phenomenon titled The Imposter Phenomenon in High Achieving Women, Dynamics and Therapeutic Intervention by Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes. If you recognize the names, it's because I mentioned them (laughs) way back in the first episode of the series. These two ladies were the researchers who created the foundations of today's imposter syndrome. So we have them to thank for it. This is a, here is now for you, a general interpretation of the imposter cycle, which always starts with you feeling anxious and feeling doubtful about your level of intelligence, competence and experience. You'll often feel like a fraud and it's only a matter of time before you are found out. And then something good happens. So you're given a contract or a client or a job, maybe a piece of work, or you've just had an idea of something that you think you want to pursue. So your worrying begins to intensify. You start wondering if you deserve the success of that good thing because of your level of competence, intelligence or experience. And then you have two options. You can work hard to compensate for your feelings. Sorry, you will work hard to compensate for your feelings and find cover up strategies to distract you from those bad thoughts or you procrastinate, feeling a lot of self-doubt, and you either rush to complete the work at the last moment or just not even attempt it. If the task is finished, it will bring you feelings of relief and usually a temporary boost of confidence, but if the opportunity is missed, it brings you feelings of guilt and shame. Then your performance is reviewed. It can be reviewed by yourself and how you felt you performed and also by others around you reviewing your work. If there's any positive feedback, it just kind of gets brushed aside or ignored, you know, and then any negative feedback is generally met with a lot of guilt and shame and self-doubt. And sometimes, most of the time, actually, you'll usually feel a lot of sensitivity to criticism. Then you begin to worry again about your level of competence and intelligence and experience. And then something happens and the cycle just keeps repeating from there. 
So what did you think of the imposter cycle, lady? The imposter cycle is something that I've seen both in myself and with a lot of close friends as well. Mm. It's something that I think impacts a lot of careers, a lot of even personal sorts of things like friendships as well because say you keep planning to meet up with someone you keep planning to do something with someone and then you don't do it and then you feel guilty about that so you put it off and it just it ties heavily into procrastination as well Um, but I've got a friend Purple who I love dearly but she is very guilty of doing this um So, she's been planning to write her book for a long time. Her characters are interesting. Um, I've narrated one of her stories, which will never be posted because she doesn't want to give, you know, she doesn't want me to put it out there. Um, But to basically, like, make it feel more real for her. And she won't take that step of continuing because she's got little, like, character profiles, ideas, and all these different aspects about the character she's worked on, and backstories, and every little tiny detail. But she still won't take that step to actually write and complete. It's tough when you see that cycle and you see it in somebody you care about. It's it's tough. I I see it too. I can't talk too much, obviously, about uh, my uh, social circle, but I do see it. I do see that there are people that are close to me that will often have really good ideas and I'll encourage the idea and say yes you should absolutely give it a go but then for whatever reason it never gets followed through and if I ask about it it will usually be it'll usually just be excuses not not you know not mean excuses obviously but just things like oh yeah no I just haven't got time or you know very much just kind of sweeping the issue under the rug if you get what I mean oh definitely Mm. I find it very hard to to talk to um, a friend that gets in this kind of cycle and I can normally recognise normally but now that I've done a lot of research into uh, imposter syndrome I can recognise when I'm starting to fall into that loop so I can usually find ways, so I'll take topic A, I'll take option one, I will go for, I'll try and power through the task as best as I can and find ways of coping with these feelings that I'm feeling as I progress through the task. And it'll it'll be like, um, it'll, it'll just be like a crazy, a crazy zigzag where it will go, I'll go up and up and up on this high of confidence and then suddenly I won't feel so confident about it anymore and then it will get I'll get very 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 uh, uncomfortable while working on exactly the same task not even 10 minutes after <laughs> I felt great about it um I'll read it back and go oh and this is how I stop a lot of like how mm. a lot of progress with my um my content <laughs> stops mm. yeah I I think that's a that's a part of your pattern. Mine, I will do other people's collabs before I'll do my own when I'm in a rut. It's like, because you don't want to hold them back. Mm. So I'll do all theirs first. You know, all the editing, because you know, no one wants to hear. 
belch. <laughs> so I'll send all that in and I'll be like, you know what, maybe I can record one of mine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough, isn't it? I, um, I, I find that I am so critical of my own work, so I try really hard to reserve all of that judgment for the editing process. I, uh, I, and and so like it, when even like that's not just writing but recording as well. So there'll be so much crap in my recordings that I'll have to cut out. And when I get a raw recording, it'll be a good hour and a half, two hours. And I look at it and I go, yeah, at least a good forty-five minutes of that is just me just <laughs> fucking everything up and having to cut shit out. I think a lot of um. A lot of new content creators see all their mistakes and they're like, oh, I bet you the big people don't do that. I'm like, yes, they do. If you're on Twitter and you follow a lot of these big narrators, they'll actually post up their mistakes sometimes. Be like, they make mistakes too. Mm. They make a lot of mistakes in some cases. <laughs> but they just keep going. They edit it out. It's just part of being a narrator. It's just what you do. Yeah, yeah. It's part of the uh, the content creation process. Part of the package. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. It's like so, I gotta no. <laughs> I was gonna say it's like no, no, no. <laughs> so I um hypothetical and I'm I'm getting uh I'm ad libbing this, so it might be a little bit slower to co- to bring a cohesive thought together. But um, what would you say to your friend if they approached you and said, "I think I might be, I might have a pattern." here like I think I'm starting to see that where I'm going wrong can you help me like what would you say to her um she has sometimes um it it depends on what version of me she gets because I can be very blunt as Mm. as you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's not it's not to be unkind I'm just putting it out there I don't mean to be a dick but I am no I'm not but anyway it's like, well, at least you're noticing now. Mm. So that's something. Okay, th- there's a good chance that the cycle will remain. Mm-hmm. So if you can cut down on the cycle, mm-hmm. that's an improvement. Yeah. So say say it would last for her a month. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cut that down to three weeks if you can. Mm. Then two. Yeah. Then a week. Then maybe a day. You know, maybe you just have a day where you're just having a break. Mm. You know, it's better to have a break than a breakdown. Oh, I like and that. I'm, my, my shrink said that, so I don't know where she picked that up. I like it. So <laughs> so I don't know. So I'm just, hopefully I'm not, like, stealing someone's amazing quote. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure if the author was ever listening and went, hey, wait a second, I, I'm sure I'll hear it. Look, if you created that quote and you need you need us to reference you, just, just email me, hi at edenv.com, and we'll, we'll get you. We'll get you sorted. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping it was me. I'm like, yeah, but uh, no, that doesn't sound like something I'd say. <laughs> I have actually created a lot of very fun little meditations, you know, like those little thoughts, those little one-line yeah. thoughts. I have actually created a lot of those that when I've read them back months later, I've gone, oh, that's actually pretty insightful. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I am actually, I love collecting them. As, as, as um, stupid as I feel when I write them down, I'll always go back later and you know, see some kind of worth in my work. Um, for me, that's 
a huge thing of the imposter cycle. Like breaking the imposter cycle is because the syndrome is that um, inability to accept your skills, your competence, your experience, you know. So more than ever when you're moving through a piece of work and you're feeling really uncomfortable about it and really unsettled, like you have no idea what you're doing, sometimes just telling yourself that's okay I'll catch it later I'll catch it in editing it's always fixable I can always fix it later just keep pushing through it is enough to just get over that that obstacle of motivation yeah so I, th- I think that's enough about about um, the imposter cycle anyway like I feel like we've really unpacked the cycle a little bit more and talked about um, you know some of the more valid aspects that we really identify with so um, I think from, we'll move now on to our second topic so our topic our second topic today is the fear of failure and making mistakes so i'll start (laughs) so uh one of my most favorite things like my most favorite retorts to hear when somebody's challenging me and my knowledge of imposter syndrome is i'll often hear somebody say oh well you know i thought everybody experiences that in some way or another and then they'll stand back and kind of cross their arms and just kind of wait, and I'll have to <laughs> defend my position of my skills, knowledge, and experience. Like, okay, here we go. Yeah. I'll, I'll often just respond with, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, I agree. Like, everybody is capable of feeling guilt. <laughs> Every- <laughs> everybody is capable of feeling the guilt of failing or the burden of success you know, or the the fear of making a mistake in front of somebody or in front of a lot of people, you know. We're all just out there trying to improve ourselves and trying to build a meaningful career that gives us purpose and, you know, makes us lots of money. So, um, but, and I'll always make sure to highlight this part, the difference between, the, but the difference between a person who has an imposter and somebody who doesn't, is how much those feelings paralyze the ability to progress and grow. So anybody can feel guilty, but when you feel guilty for such a long period of time, (laughs) it begins to really compound and add a lot of other negative emotions. It's like the difference between, you know, it's it's like when someone says to you, well, I get anxious sometimes comparing that to someone with, say, you know, anxiety disorder. It's like... Yeah. Yes, I suppose, but those are two very different things. Yeah, 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 I completely agree. It, it, it's sort of like, it's yeah, somebody with... Uh, somebody who doesn't feel... Uh, somebody who's uncomfortable about a, around a spider versus somebody with arachnophobia. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I like your analogy too. I I, I like that. Um, no, I I like them both. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I do have a couple of questions for you, but you don't have to answer them. Just just you know, no. just have a think about Ooh. them. Um. Are okay. you the type of yeah? Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh oh oh. oh, oh it is, okay. uh, I I didn't realize we would do. <laughs> I didn't realize we would be doing this. No, it's fine. No, 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 no. You don't have to. You don't have to answer them. But no, no. Yes, I do. No. Oh, do you now? Oh, well. Oh. Okay. So, 
<laughs> Here we go. Here's my first question. So, are you the type to blame yourself when something goes wrong? Yeah. Are you the type that considers your mistakes unforgivable? Jesus, what are we talking about? <laughs> I, I told you not to answer them, lady. I told you. Ooh, ooh. Oh, that's, that's, that's like we've gone in deep here. Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So these, these are just a couple of brain scratches that I want you guys to have a think about. Not, not just you, but everybody listening. Just have a real think about these questions because these were very confronting questions for me and I just really wanted to share them. So um, I'll run through them all and you, you don't have to answer them, obviously. just You can okay. nod, you can shake your head, you can just think it. It's okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, uh, the first question, are you the type to blame yourself when something goes wrong? Are your mistakes unforgivable, but can others make those mistakes? Do you remember every stupid thing you've ever said or did? And the last question, do you physically cringe at the thought of being judged by that stupid thing? I think it's safe to assume that most of us have answered yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's like, whoo, I didn't realise I was coming on this podcast to be attacked. <laughs> <laughs> it, they are. They're confronting. They are incredibly confronting questions because it's not often that you'll take a step back and answer on your own behalf, especially when you have to be c- critical about things that you know are negative about yourself but you just kind of don't want to look at them you know so I um it's either you don't want to look at them or like they're like right in your face like ha ha here's a flaw <laughs> yeah the, the really really big giant ones that you just can't see past yeah yeah I hate those. yeah yeah yep. <laughs> I think as well um like I, I think everybody on the planet answered yes. To, or everybody, everybody listening anyway on the planet. I assume that's all of you. Everybody on the planet, even those who don't speak English. Anyway, <laughs> I think it's safe to assume that we all answered yes. And you know what? Awesome. And if you didn't, like, and you genuinely answered no, please, please tell me your secret. Cause <laughs> you know, I, 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 please, you know. So, I always find that that distinction like this is where the distinction comes into play and this is really where we start looking and analyzing that fear of failure which is you know the general overarching topic obviously there comes a point where where we all feel that that weight you know that weight that anxiety and we have to cut we have to make a choice you know we can decide to either grow and learn from whatever the experience was and discard the memory and the feelings associated with it or we can hang on to it and we can use the memory and the feelings as a clear indication of a limit in our life so this is like the point where we decide we can't go any further because of this particular experience Um, it's not actually a bad thing if you want to split that hair if you really want to think of you know really want to sort of critique and analyze it because when we realize that we've come to a point where we need to make a decision about um, a destructive behavior pattern like um, watching tv all day um, smoking drinking eating you know eating binge eating like when we realize that there is a pattern there 
we can use, like, we can understand that we can change it, you know. And similar to this, when a, let's just say a normal, emotionally healthy person, like just your average Joe, your average Joe understands that the time that they wet themselves in front of everyone at the year four excursion to the aquarium, that was totally fine. <laughs> That's really specific. <laughs> I know. It's, I know. Oh. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, but they understand that that's fine. They were they were in year four, you know. They were like eight at the time. Like they were still learning about not just bladder control, <laughs> but just how to act, you know. Um, but we, us, the fraudsters, us, we just we don't really recognize the difference between uh, like destructive behavior and a healthy experience of growth, you know. So, like for me, I would be. Like, here I am, 32, thinking about that one time I weed my pants at the aquarium, which, by the way, never actually happened. That was just a hypothetical. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I, uh, well, uh, another ones I was thinking of, too, when I was um, thinking about the types of the types of patterns, the types of thoughts that I really hold on to are things like um, the time I called my teacher mum. Oh, yeah, that I've done that, one. too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, a time where I would be standing with a group of friends and I made a joke that I thought would be hilarious and just nobody, nothing, crickets. Oh. Yeah, one of them. Uh, what about the time that we let somebody down? Oh, I hate that feeling. That is the mm. worst. Or the time that we scored or performed poorly. Oh, you definitely yeah. remember that. Particularly yeah. if other people are critical of it or your worth mm. as a person is based around that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, last one that I could think of too, which was, I think I left it last because this is definitely the, the, a big pain point for me, which is, you know, the time we asked for help and we didn't get it. Yeah, I mean, for, yeah. it sucks. It sucks, it sucks. Um, obviously there's always, <laughs> there's always different degrees of help. There's like, ah, oh, help, help me pick up this box to help me. I'm going to do something that could potentially really harm myself. I always find that a lot of these really bad thoughts usually hit me when I'm relaxed, you know, or, or like when I'm really relaxed or when I'm really stressed. So when I'm really stressed and I'm stressing about a piece of work in particular, that's when I'll get a lot of this, you know. So it's like um, uh, I could be working on uh, a piece of content and I'll go, oh, yeah, I really actually, I could use a hand here, like um, muddling through this particular um, point that I want to make. But then I'll start thinking like, yeah, but the last time I asked for help, nobody like was, you know, nobody wanted to give me their opinion, <laughs> you know? So then I'll, then I will go, like my thought pattern, which is again, that imposter cycle pattern is, well, I have to be able to find the answer. And if I can't ask for help, then I'm going to have to be able to you know, get the answer some other way, which just leads to this whole complex, hard path of going, like going forward to find the information I need versus just asking. Yeah, it's. I think when you ask for help, you're putting really putting yourself out there. You're basically saying, "There's an area in my knowledge that I don't have," and it goes back to the fear of mistakes, I think, as well. So particularly if you're an ex considered an expert in the field, or even if you are still just learning, our culture does not leave room for mistakes. You're meant to just sort of have this instant perfection. 
And that's unrealistic. That's harmful, I feel. Yeah. That sort of um that sort of thinking, especially when you have societal expectations kinda start to breed in there is it you start thinking if I can't you start thinking if I can't do the task straight away perfectly every time then there's no point in me doing the task at all yeah and then you lose out on the benefits that that task could have brought you Mm, yeah yeah definitely another thing too that people um like that that really breeds into that that mindset of the the genius you know like you have to be good at everything and you have to be good at everything the first time you do it otherwise it's just not worth even looking at it um like that that period of growth in the middle that we all ignore is actually something we should be celebrating because that's when we're learning that's when we're becoming better than we were before <laughs> eden 2.0 <laughs> that's what i feel right now like i feel like so much i've done so much research into uh imposter syndrome while i've been writing the scripts and um writing this podcast is i feel like i have kind of emerged as somebody with a big brain now <laughs> Me and my big brain. <laughs> oh, yeah. That that big, sexy brain of yours. <laughs> I have been... I'm just like... Just be like, you know what? I'm just going to take over your podcast right now. <laughs> um, I've been looking more so into grit. And mm-hmm. it's loosely kind of like this. So I've read another book and I can't remember her name. <laughs> I feel terrible. But there's Angela Duckworth's book mm-hmm. on grit that's well-known, I think it's a bestseller or something as well. Uh, What is grit? Grit is basically when you just keep going, where you overcome adversity, and you just keep going. It doesn't matter if you're the best, you just keep going. And it, it shows... I like it. It's like the difference, like, the difference between talent and skilled. So talent is something that a lot of people come into some things being just naturally very gifted. They know they don't need necessarily much effort. But while skilled is more, they put in so much time and energy perfecting their craft. And basically, the book loosely says, skill will always beat talent in the end. So, But if you're talented already from the start, plus you have grit, you know, you're unstoppable basically. Because you've got both going for you. You just keep learning. You you don't ever slow yourself down. You just keep learning and keep going. And you can accept failure. You accept failure because it's normal. Failure is normal. Yeah, I completely agree. It's um, I try not to use the word failure. I try to use the word mistake. Because failure to me is when there is no possible solution to this. There is nothing that I can do to help this particular situation if I can help, you know. So I don't think, uh, when I mean like that, I don't sort of think about, oh, okay, the penguins in Antarctica. Well, I have failed trying to help the penguins in Antarctica because I I can't help them. But what I mean is um, when I come across a problem in my career that I cannot find an answer to, like I just cannot, and even after asking people I still can't, then it's considered that that might not be the way to go, like yeah. the way, the direction I want to go in, you know. So I also like, I like, um, I like the idea of grit 
because in a way it's 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 kind of like busting out of that cycle because whilst you're acknowledging that those feelings are there you're just not not really ignoring them but you're pushing past them so it's like yeah I know you're there but I'm not going to listen to your bullshit today kind of thing yeah and it's also like society praises people who are talented they just like see this very manufactured image mm. what they don't see is that you know I'm just going to go say with a famous singer okay any singer just pick one Beyonce yes Beyonce I don't listen to Beyonce. But Beyonce. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like metal. No, no, no. Yeah. Say, but, you know, I do like some of her songs. Yeah, but no, no, she's all right. What you don't see is that fact she's been dancing, she's been singing since she was a small child. You know, she's mm. been really pushing herself throughout her life to be the best of the best. So she, while she is talented... There's also that dedication and strong work ethic that has helped her to reach that success. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I um, I think people always forget that the crap that you release, especially when you're putting yourself like out on the internet or out in the public eye, the, the work that you release in the beginning is always going to be shit. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because it's your shit, I guess. It's yours. You made it, so you should be proud of it. It doesn't matter how shit you think it is. Um, I'm actually, I want to pull this up because I found this, here it is. So uh, it's a quote from Oprah because we're talking about famous peeps. The quote was, uh, she said, I always knew I was destined for greatness. Nice. Yeah, this is a quote that she said when she was, you know, asked about um, her success on television, whether she knew, you know, she was going to be successful. Um, But Interestingly enough, the reason why I love this quote so much is because she, Oprah failed, like Oprah failed really, really hard before she got successful. So her first job was at a TV station in Baltimore and she was a co-anchor for the 6pm news. She was fired from that job and she was told she would never work in TV because she was just dull, she was stiff, she was mispronouncing words. Mm. It's like, lady, she was just out of an internship. Oh, wow. Ouch. (laughs) You know, she wasn't, she was young and she got told she'd never work in television. And now look at her. Like, that's grit right there. (laughs) Yeah. It's, she's probably done much better than the people who put her down. You know, she's, yeah. Mm. (laughs) I know it's such it's 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 like I never I didn't know about this story until obviously I, I read about it and I learned about it and I went wow that's um it's really inspiring I think is what uh, the the word that I would use it is really inspiring to see that someone like Oprah who is so well known and so loved like I don't really think anybody doesn't like yeah. her because <laughs> she is a genuinely nice person <laughs> and I I just yeah it's it's amazing to hear that. Um, it's amazing to hear how hard people fail before they succeed because it gives me hope for, okay, so then the little mistakes that I make, they're not that bad as that, <laughs> as getting fired from my first job sort of thing. Like, they're not that bad and I will get better if I keep practicing. It's it's nice to, yeah, it's nice to hear those sorts of success stories. Um, So I feel like the best thing... Uh, when it comes to 
failure, especially the fear of failure, is um, I find that the best thing, especially like yeah, with grit, um, like you telling me about grit and all of that, is just that whole the the whole thing of forgiveness. It's very poorly worded, I know. <laughs> forgiveness. It's practicing forgiveness and acceptance when you make a mistake, if you're allowed to make a mistake. Yeah, I think most people. The funny thing is, most people are more than happy to forgive someone else mm-hmm. for making a mistake, but not themselves. Yeah, uh, it's also how you learn. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like, like looking back, it's like looking back at my train wreck of a life. <laughs> um, yeah, if if I held on to every mistake, I would still, I would never have made my channel. For one, it was um, it was very, it was very difficult for you to make your channel. Wasn't it? I oh yes, it was. I've been mocked quite extensively about my voice, um, being as deep as it is, and you know I I mispronounce words. I have a bit of a lisp going on. People are like she does, she does have a lisp. Oh my god, no. Yes. It was very you know you ended up just not speaking at all, mm. or or I pronounce words a certain way, you know, mm. just from. From my background and my parents' background, the accent will slip out. Mm. So, and now people are telling me how much they like my voice, how sexy my voice is. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a very sexy voice, too. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 interesting. Like, um, it, it's interesting. The thing that was critiqued about you the most is now the thing that people really gravitate to, like people really enjoy the sound of your voice. I just think that's really cool, like that right there is a perfect example of breaking out of that imposter imposter spiral, the imposter cycle, and like, you know, getting grit and keeping grit and just pushing through despite the criticism. It's so hard to take criticism, I I hate it. I have gotten criticism as it is with my channel, but it's weird. I don't know. It's just like, eh, eh. it's fine. Go away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're always gonna get criticism. Yeah, it's YouTube. Mm. YouTube's gonna yeah. YouTube. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is a whole. Um, I've 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 done a huge deep dive into feedback on the internet. It's um fascinating <laughs> it is it's fascinating because it's just that one one level of removal yeah so you know when you have text on the screen versus saying it out of your mouth is a whole different level of accountability and that's what breeds into this huge hugely critical nature of that is the beast of the internet it's just yeah it's very very interesting but i think we've done really well there like um we've really talked a lot about how failure and making mistakes is not such a bad thing you know we talked a lot about grit we talked about um pushing past a lot of these criticisms Mm. and these fears so i feel like we've really covered the fear of failure quite well i think so too awesome (laughs) i think we'll move on to the next topic uh which is the discussion of the fear of success so i don't think anyone is afraid to succeed success for me was a very mixed sword um you know my background and the people at home watching don't (laughs) so 
when I was successful, it meant I had to live up to that success in the future, or that success was later used as a weapon against me. Oh. Yeah. Mm, you know, you you know who I mm, 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 mm. Um, mm. <laughs> I I do um but I really feel like this is actually something like the, the whole weaponizing success is actually something that I hadn't considered in the process of uh discussing the fear of success so Uh-oh. um is there a way you can ambiguously tell us the story without giving uh, Ooh. With, with, Ooh. with a lesson there to, to teach us more about um, weaponizing success. Okay. Um, so there was a individual in my life who I was very close to who, if I was successful at something, they would have to either sabotage it, destroy it, or make me feel guilty about that success. So the abuse would start if there was success. So what ended up happening was I would try to limit my success as much as possible or always try to reduce it so that person looked better than me. That's about <laughs> that's about it, really? <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 uh, that, that's, yep, yep, I, I concur. <laughs> Although it is your life, so I guess I can't be like, yes, I agree <laughs> with your life. That's, that's um, not your life. How dare you, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's not quite what happened. See, what happened was... <laughs> um, that's really interesting, and that is actually going to be something that we're going to talk about in our next episode, which is the external influences and how they create limitations in our life that we translate to an internal limitation, I suppose is the best way to describe it. Um, but I, I want to touch on it a bit here too, because I just... that's. Yeah, it's a very cool, not a cool concept, but it's just a concept that I hadn't. It's okay. I've just destroyed of, your episode. It's fine. That, <laughs> no, no, you haven't. You have not. <laughs> Don't worry. The thing is, right? It is in our nature su- to succeed because it's surviving. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when we have somebody that is bearing down on us and pressuring us to not succeed, so they can succeed it does create an external limitation because after a while you start thinking, well, you know, as long as they're happy, that's the main thing. And then you're not prioritizing your, your happiness, your growth, your progress, you're prioritizing theirs. Yeah. It's just in on itself sucky. And that's not some, that is something that does happen when you achieve success or, you know, the more success you achieve is the more people will try and use it against you. Um, how many times have you been asked, oh, can you shout me out or can you do this on, on you know, your channel? I, I don't have anything to give you, but can you do it for free anyway? Oh, uh, mm, <laughs> fair few times now. Um, it, it doesn't bother me so much. Um, I had someone a while ago want me to animate, which I don't do, narrate and write a custom story for them for their channel and they hadn't even posted up their first video yet (laughs) and I was like what like I don't care like with with some of my projects um the Harper Codex I'm just like plugging my series (laughs) I'm shameless um 
I don't care about the size of the um, YouTuber who I'm with. I care about how good they play the, the character, how interesting and, you know. So size doesn't matter. Directing back to uh, the topic, which is of the um, the fear of success. So uh, we've talked about the weaponizing of success as being a potential reason why we don't want to succeed. Other things to consider too that I'm off the top of my head that I thinking about. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Other things that I can think of when it comes to being afraid of success is it isn't really success, I suppose, that I am afraid of or that, you know, we are afraid of, but it could be something like our priorities just aren't as aligned as we initially thought. Or maybe we're just used to a certain levels of success already and we just don't want to get better. Uh, you, You see this very often in an office setting where you have a worker who is very, very well respected in their job and has been offered promotions multiple times but has refused it on the grounds of, oh, I just don't, I don't need that extra stress. Yeah. And I'm not pointing that out in terms of, oh, well, you should have taken the job because, no, you don't have to take a job (laughs) if you don't want to. Come on, guys. (laughs) But... Um, that is often a very common response or like a common knee-jerk reaction to when we often think about success. And sometimes, too, we will forget that the success that we're picturing could be far in the future and that it's going to take time to build up to that success. So by the time you hit that level of success, it's not going to feel as stressful as you think it is right now. Yeah, it's well. You need time to adapt to like a change of position and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Because if say when I just started my channel, I would like the amount I do now would have been like, oh god, <laughs> <laughs> that's way too much. I'm uh, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> here's here's a, uh, a like scenario I was thinking of when I think about success mm. um, you ha- have learnt to drive a car in the past or yes. a bike perhaps <laughs> learnt to ride a bike or drive a car <laughs> yes yeah. Yes. <laughs> so getting in the car or getting on the bike for that really that first time is such a daunting mm. activity, it's so it daunting it's exciting because whilst you can acknowledge the risk of being in a huge moving piece of metal that at any given point could ram off the road, you know, like, well, you realise that there is a huge risk, but the risk is worth it for the freedom that driving Mm. a car gives you, or riding a bike. I'm going to go just head with driving a car, because I drive a car. (laughs) 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 I'm super, super embarrassed to admit this, but I think the first time that I hopped in a car and learnt to drive one, and this would be a manual too, not an automatic, I stalled the car, I think it was like 20 times. Like, I stopped counting after 10. Oh, gosh. (laughs) It was just like, whoop! Oh, okay, try oh, okay. Oh, oh, oh. You know, it just got to a point where I was so frustrated because I just kept stalling this car that I ended up quitting for the day and, you know, coming back a day later and then the next day I could move it and I could move after about three times of stall three stalls, mm. you know. I did. I moved it like forward like fifty meters and I was like, Oh you know, mm. how exciting. But I think back to 
those days in growing up on a farm and this was in a driveway in the middle of East Bumfuck nowhere where my parents live and I think now about the driving that I do on a regular basis if I could go back to my 16 year old self when I first started learning to drive the prospect of what I do now on a day-to-day basis is terrifying yeah but it's a, it's still a success in my eyes. It's a success that I have learnt to drive, and it's a, it's a success to me because it's gained me so much freedom to be able to move wherever I want and go wherever I want and be a taxi for my children. But you know, like the other stuff's good too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I um, like success is always like success. I suppose is always subjective, but um. Here's an interesting point that I do want to make, and it is gender. It is a, it's a gender point, so you know, just bear with me on this one. Fifty years of research <laughs> into the characteristics of how we process attribution has uncovered some really interesting differences between the genders. A man will assume success is because of an ability or a quality they possess so they were smart enough they were fast enough you know they they you know um, they're experienced enough to achieve that success a woman will attribute it to the effort they put in like, isn't that interesting hmm, yeah. that is interesting it's um I find it I also find it interesting on the flip side as well that when there is failure, a male will often look externally for the source of the failure or the source of what went wrong, whereas a woman will look internally. I know I say this a lot, but I just think it's super interesting and I think it's a very important factor to remember. So it's like, for me especially, being a woman, when I do make a mistake, my immediate response is to look inward and go, oh man, I fucked up so hard. Yeah. Whereas instead, sometimes, instead what I should be doing is taking an external approach and saying, well, what were the things that caused the fuck up to happen? (laughs) And were they my fault? (laughs) There's plenty of times, obviously, where you've got, where you go, oh man, was that my fault? And it's like, well, no, I was 50 kilometers away. (laughs) No, that definitely wasn't my fault. (laughs) Yeah, what do you think? Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't think of anything to add to that. It's it's just an interesting thing to remember. I think that's why I'd like. I thought I'd bring it up. It's just um, it's 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 interesting to see the differences in um the gender differences in thinking. I suppose. I do um, want. Oh, sorry. I do wonder um what it's like for um trans people and non-binary people. I don't think this, this did the study cover them as well. Oh no, of course not. Oh, yeah. it, <laughs> this is like fifty years of research. Oh so yeah, we've only been really deep diving into um, the binary and trans side of uh, research and brains and all that sort of stuff in the past. I would say fifteen, fifteen years, maybe, maybe twenty, but um, definitely really only big um, milestones, I suppose, in the past, I would say, five to ten years. So, the, you know, the research into transgenderism and, and binary uh, brains and male versus female brains is real is quite new still, or at least I believe it is. And I'm also not super 
uh, I'm also not super knowledgeable in that area. So if you are, please email me and come on the show and let us talk about it because that would definitely be an interesting deep dive, that, um, an interesting discussion that I'd like to have. I think that would be cool having someone who is knowledgeable about those things. We, we're not educated in that area. No. So it, would be, it wouldn't be good for us to talk about something we're not knowledgeable about. So... Definitely not. Yeah. yeah, this is why I, I sort of did try. I, I try to predicate my knowledge on. Uh, yes, I am not super knowledgeable. <laughs> try, try to, yeah, it's um, it is. It's an interesting point that I had had thought of, but hadn't really considered in a in a more of a dimensional aspect. So yeah, that's definitely something I'd like to cover if um, there is somebody out there that has the knowledge that would be willing to share it with us. That would be awesome. Um, but just to round back back to success <laughs> there is also one other aspect of success that is really overlooked well it's often overlooked uh not nowadays but definitely more in the earlier like you know days of research so i'm talking like 1980s 19 sort of 90s uh back when women especially were building uh careers and um you know breaking away from the gender norms of mm. um, the original 1950s housewife and you know all that sort of stuff but it's it's the fine art of bullshit mm. basically <laughs> it's um something that women aren't as good at but can definitely learn like men do seem to be better bullshitters than women oh, but yeah. it is uh something that is always good to bring up when we talk about success is because often Often we feel that we have to be successful and 100% transparent. So it's like nothing that we do is slightly exaggerated. And when we, when we take a critical look at that idea, it's, um, it, it's kind of uh, unfounded when you really think about it because there are so many people that have bullshitted their way to success and have become huge successes because of the bullshit I'll um I'll tell you this I'll tell you a really cool story that um I have prepared for the topic I have prepared earlier for your in consumption mm. so there was this kid many years ago now who went on a tour to Universal Studios got a feel for the place the the general mapping of the area and showed up the next day carrying a suit, uh, wearing a suit and carrying a briefcase and saying that he was an intern. So he spent two years interning at the studio on an internship that he didn't even win. So he was there completely on a lie. He even went as far as to find an empty office and put up a sign, you know, with his name on it. Steven Spielberg, you know. So how fucking cool is that? <laughs> like, Steven Spielberg, who is, like, such a oh. renowned... Yeah, popular oh, director. He's hmm? certainly well known. Yeah, and he, yeah, and he got his start by lying his ass off and saying that he worked <laughs> at the place when he didn't. That like, is pretty that's cool. So fucking cool. That is so cool. There's, I have like, I have read heaps of stories of people doing the same thing of basically just lying and saying that they're on the list and getting in that way, and that's how they get their big break. Obviously, that was the only one I prepared, <laughs> but um. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that so to to take that gamble and to take that risk of bullshitting 
can end up being that launch pad that you need to succeed and sometimes it's just a matter of reminding yourself that it's okay to bullshit a little bit especially if you're a woman we 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 find it so hard to bullshit like we have to bullshit (laughs) twice as hard basically so but 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 wait but but we have to be humble oh yeah we have to be humble as shit about bullshitting hmm yeah so a man can walk and strut around and just be like oh yeah have this on my desk in two hours you know sort of thing but we can't do that a woman will have to go up and say hey look i know you're super busy right now and i hate asking but i need this and i need it done in like two hours do you think you can help me out kind of thing (laughs) so it's just yeah it's very interesting so i think we'll wrap it up there um i feel like we've really unpacked the fear of success and I feel like we've sort of come to an understanding that maybe it's not really success that we're afraid of. It's more of a complex a, a complex topic of our, ourselves, our existential selves and who we are as people, what direction we want to go in, etc. And also that awesome nugget of info that you threw in right at the beginning, which was um, uh, weaponizing success, which is so, yeah, <laughs> such an interesting concept, but... So that does bring us now to the end of today's episode. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. I have specifically written in my notes, my brain hurts. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that when (laughs) Eden has a habit of sending me, you know, what the episode's going to be about so I can have a read over so I'm not like, duh. And (laughs) she says, (laughs) it actually (laughs) says, my brain hurts. <laughs> well, I okay. did. I'm just like, I'm just. I actually, she also added too long, didn't read. Oh yeah, I added a teal deer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I was like, oh. So okay. oh, 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 so the reason why I do that is because, and here's an insight into the the, the process of script writing ooh, of uh, podcast script ooh. writing is I literally write everything everything and then as I'm reading it I'll just you know okay I'll skip over that bit I won't read that bit I'll go back up to that bit but um I didn't want to give lady too much information I didn't want to give her my entire script <laughs> because I just knew it was going to make her her brain explode mm. so I went okay here's that what is I'll do. true exactly so I went here's what I'll do I'll just write the teal deer <laughs> there we go <laughs> um I'll probably be using those teal deers to um Dis- yeah, like to kind of sum up each topic in the descriptions anyway so uh, <laughs> anyway so I would like to extend my warmest thank you to you our listener just my listener our listener just thank you for mm-hmm. being here and listening to me waffle on and lady also <laughs> waffle on <laughs> excuse me no <laughs> Thank you for listening to our waffles. <laughs> um, so the next episode, we'll be talking about our childhood and we'll be talking a lot about the external influences that help shape the size of our adult imposter. In the description is our social media links. Feel free to jet over there and ask either of us a question. If you're having trouble getting to them, you can find me on Twitter at Eden Waffles, on my YouTube channel Eden V, and my websites EdenV.com and ZombiesEatGrain.com. Lady is also on Twitter, and she shares Huggies and Nuggies galore. I, I highly recommend you jet over there, dem 
Dem Nuggies with Huggies. Oh my goodness. You can find her on Twitter at Lady Spookaria, as well as her YouTube channel, Lady Spookaria, and website, ladyspookaria.com. If you'd like to read more about what we talked about, I will leave links to all the resources that I used in today's podcast in the description, and there's lots of good stuff there too. Uh, Lady, is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up today's episode? Nothing I can think of other than keep watching and make sure you check out the next episode. Thanks, Lady. And a big thank you to you again, our listener, for tuning in. And we'll see you next time, fellow fraudster. Bye. Bye.